Welcome to the Economic Rockstar Podcast with your host, Frank Conway. Connecting brilliant minds in economics and finance. In this week's episode of the Economic Rockstar Podcast, I speak with Kronos Lalas, a recent graduate of the University of Macedonia in Greece. Kronos and I talk about prospect theory and how it applies to real-life situations, particularly when it comes to his own observations in Greece, as well as a case study on behavioural economics regarding Tom's shoes and some recommended books and a free online course that you can take in order to increase your understanding of behavioural economics. Check out the show notes at economicrockstar.com forward slash Cronus, C-H-R-O-N-I-S. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not leave some feedback or comments on the show notes page on economicrockstar.com, where you can also sign up and be a member of the Economic Rockstar community. If you're listening to this episode on iTunes or Stitcher Radio, I would love to have some feedback and for you to leave an honest rating and review, as this will help with the rankings of the show so that more people can find it. If you're listening on the website economicrockstar.com, make sure you check out the back catalogue of all previous episodes and interviews with some amazing professors and authors at economicrockstar.com forward slash podcasts. Thanks for listening and I really appreciate your loyal support. If you'd like to support the show and become a patron of the Economic Rockstar podcast, please visit patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and in the search bar, type in Economic Rockstar to find out more. Many families have a lot of problems to, to deal with, especially those that the parents uh, do not work now. But about young people, I think that it's an opportunity to make something new, to begin some new startups, and that's why I want to associate with behavioral economics. I have two examples to give you about uh, how prospect theory is applied in Greece. One on a large scale and our own a smaller scale. Never miss an episode of the Economic Rockstar podcast. Visit economicrockstar.com, submit your name and email, and you will get each episode straight to your inbox. Hi, Frank Conway here, and you're listening to the Economic Rockstar podcast. I am so honoured to have Cronus Lalas join me today. Hi, Cronus. Welcome to the show. Hi, Frank. Thanks for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here with you. Cronus Lalas is an aspiring behavioural economist who is researching and publishing about the applications of behavioural economics in the real world. Cronus has acquired his BA in economics from University of Macedonia, Greece, in December 2014. His aim is to bring a fresh perspective to traditional economics by optimizing consumer behavior analysis and brand management. As a young economist, his vision is to inspire students and young generations to take on behavioral economics. His work has been published, amongst others, in the online political and economic newspaper, The European Sting. You can find his work at newbieeconomist.com that's n-e-w-b-i-e economist.com and he can be contacted by email at cronus at lalas.info Cronus, I'd love if you could explain to us why you got into economics or maybe a little bit more of a background Thanks for asking Frank uh, Well, even for my high school age I was quite good and I find quite easy the subject of economic theory Thus, I decided to follow the science of economics. Then I studied for four years in the University of Macedonia, like you mentioned before, and I think uh, that the university fulfilled my expectation in those years of studying there. But in the end of my studying my bachelor's degree, I had to make a decision 
uh, I have to find out which specific field of economics to specialize in. And I think that's something that most students have to decide sometime in their university career. Well, there's the choice paradox where there are so many choices that a student of economics has to make to which path to follow in the economics. That's why me and a collaborator of mine, a student in the University of France of Economics, we are collaborating so as to, to make uh, an experiment, something like a nudge with some uh, different questionnaires to see why people procrastinate, why students attend or do not attend their classes or some uh, seminars outside their university career try and try to nudge them via a subscription form to, to read more, study more, research on what they want to be on their future career. And that's uh, an upcoming uh, experiment of mine. I don't have any findings yet, but I'll tell you as soon as I know more. So I suppose you were introduced to behavioral economics quite late on because it seems to be a, a module or a subject that is introduced to students maybe um, at the final year of a, a graduate degree. And is this something that you picked up on and realized that there's a lot more you can do in terms of analyzing psychological behavior. And you obviously saw some problems in universities where, as you mentioned, there are people or students did not turn up for classes and there might be a nudge or an incentive for them to turn up. And this is something you'd like to explore further. Well, Frank, the only subject that I did in my head in my university career about behavioral economics or psychology was the subject of consumer behavior. Uh, I really loved that subject, and uh, I also or I was always intrigued by psychology and how the human brain works, how people make decisions, and that's something that I didn't notice in my other subjects in my university because we thought that people are rational. The, about Homo economicus, we had, we, I haven't heard before about uh, the rational man uh, as a student. And that's why when a behavioral economics article fell in, fell in my hands after graduating, then I was so inspired and so intrigued by the, the author uh, the, of that article. I think it was titled something like Five Things I Learned from Behavioral Economics. It contained about irrationality and uh, how people do not uh, make rational decisions, and about some biases and fallacies like uh, confirmation bias, regression to the mean, and about uh, prospect theory. I also have to say that I really liked prospect theory, and I read more about it in Daniel Kahneman's book, Thinking Fast and Slow, while I was obligating in the military last year. Kahneman and Tversky's book has been mentioned numerous times on this podcast. And I never really got a chance to go on a bit of a deep dive with my previous guests on the subject. And you mentioned prospect theory there. This is something that obviously those who might come across loss aversion and other heuristics that we may potentially face when we're dealing with probabilistic choices. Could you explain what prospect theory is? Because my first understanding of the word prospect I liken it to the gold prospectors in the United States when there was the gold rush and they had some future expected gain based on a certain degree of risk, hence the word uh, a prospector. So I think Kahneman and Tversky came up with this theory and related it to that whole notion that you 
there's some kind of prospect in terms of an outcome that could be of a gain or a loss. So what is prospect theory? Well, uh, that's it's all about is that people are affected uh, by some heuristics, like loss aversion you mentioned about the reference point where someone is when he's making this financial decision, about this sensitivity that's diminishing as they face loses. And that's the problem, that people think about loses and gains and not about the outcome of their actions. And the, that theory about uh, that uh, Daniel Kahneman Tversky tells us about is that uh, the decisions are not always optimal and the risks that people have to take are very context dependent. When people face some loses, when they are some bad uh, economic situations, financial situations, then they tend to be more risk seeking. They overestimate small probabilities and in the end, they finally are poorer than it would be if they would make nothing. I think maybe it's the illusion of control that they have. They want to make something to change things, to change that current situation, and they end up making things worse. And I found it applicable, this theory, in the Greece reality nowadays. Because, as you know, uh, we have a strong financial crisis in Greece. We, uh, our economy has some difficult times to pass. And I have two examples to give you about uh, how prospect theory is applied in Greece. One on a large scale and one on a smaller scale. And just before you give us that example, do you want to remind our listeners the situation in Greece over the last number of years and how you related prospect theory then to that? We understand that we have the financial crisis, but how was Greece impacted on that? And then maybe just a little background to, to that story. Okay. Well, uh, about Greece, our country is in a, in a deep depth. We are renting, we are, well, our government is renting money from the, the IMF with uh, some uh, strong terms, I would say some strict uh, terms. So we have to make austerity uh, as a country. We have uh, to face some capital controls in our banking system. Many people are unoccupied. Uh, the the rate of unemployment is very high, especially in young people. But what I think about this situation is that, of course, many many families have a lot of problems to to deal with, especially those that the parents uh, do not work now. But about young people, I think that it's an opportunity to make something new, to begin some new startups. And that's why I want to associate with behavioral economics, because it's something new. It's something that it's not, uh, it's unknown here in Greece, behavioral economics. Everyone I talk to about that he is very excited, becoming very excited. Uh, he finds it really interesting, but they don't know a lot of things. Of course, uh, behavioral economics are applied in uh, marketing areas or advertisement and consumer behavior, but it's not existed as a science here yet. So uh, Greece is in a financial crisis, like I mentioned before, it's a high unemployment, and the governments are changing all the time. About uh, every six months, we have uh, new elections to raise a, a new government, and that makes things worse. If you want me now to tell you about some examples. Yeah, fantastic. Let's give you an example like uh, we have a referendum in June 2015. A referendum, yeah. Oh, yeah. 
about if uh, people of Greece want to accept the new terms of the new memorandum uh, that the Greek government has to make a decision to accept these strict terms or not. Yeah. And the, the result of that vote was 61% voting for no. And I think that that was something actually risk-seeking because there was a high probability that uh, our country will declare bankruptcy if we did not uh, uh, provide it uh, with a new loan with those new terms. And that finally, the government did not uh, listen to the citizens and they finally accepted those terms. But what we are, are now currently suffering from is the, the capital controls in our banking system, like I mentioned before. And that's something that leads me to the second example I want to take you there, I want to talk you about, is that some uh, people are really afraid of losing the, their money their, yeah. in, their, in their banking accounts and they make some actions, some moves that are irrational. Uh, I, know, I personally know some people that withdrawn so many money from their banking accounts that they finally uh, took uh, loans with high interest rates from the banks so as to keep them, their, their money safe at home. But it was something that finally led them in a worse uh, terms in wealth. And I think that's quite an irrational behavior and a real-life application of prospect theory in Greece. You mentioned the term, and I mentioned also the term heuristics. And one of those is loss aversion. Is there anything else that you have come across both in your readings or research and also in real life applications of how some heuristics or biases would actually come into play in Greece? Oh, the heuristics and the biases and fallacies in behavioral economics are very much. I also have a word text with a lot of effects and heuristics that I like to read in my free time. I don't know which one is suitable for the Greek economy now. I I don't have a specific one in mind. I don't know. I, I know you wrote a blog post recently about okay. um, the people's behavior when it comes to shopping in a Tom's footwear store in Thessalonica. Thessaloniki, the second largest city of Greece. There's a num numerous behaviors that uh, customers tend to be subjected to subconsciously and they're unaware of how they may gravitate toward purchasing a pair of shoes and staying within the Tom's store based on the reciprocal nature and the philanthropist nature that Tom's actually do. And, mm -hmm. and as we know, or those people who may not know, Tom's was originally founded by a young person who wanted to put footwear on every poor person or every poor child in Africa. And if you buy a pair of Tom's, which is equivalent to approximately $40, they will put footwear on a child in Africa. So you're doing your bit to help those people. What was your experience on, based on your own observations? Well, Frank, as I write in my articles in my site, newbieeconomist.com, I wrote two articles, uh, What Makes Consumers Buy, uh, a case study on Tom's store in Thessaloniki. Like you mentioned, it's the, single, the second largest Tom's flagship shop in Europe, actually. And I'm trying to communicate now with some people in Tom's so as to learn more about why that second larger flagship shop of Tom's invented in Greece in Thessaloniki. 
and I want to learn more about it in my third upcoming article. Uh, well, in my two articles, I mentioned that there are some things, some things are placed in that way so as to trigger people to take some actions and, uh, and thus change their behavior. Uh, like they put some bowls for animals in the front or in the entrance of the store so that people with uh, pets, they could uh, understand subconsciously or not that this place is for them. It's, it, wel it welcomes their dogs, their cats, whatever the, the, their pet is, and without having to make a marketing move or to write a, a quote about uh, animals are permitted or don't leave your animals uh, home alone or something like that. And uh, there are many other triggers that makes people visit Tom's and make it uh, such a creative store. The reciprocity you mentioned is something that people who like to give to people, who love to share, it's something that makes them come back to this store, makes them loyal to this store, because with every purchase they make, they offer something to people in Africa, like you mentioned, that have a lot of stuff in need. Like where you buy glasses, they give some money for some poor children to, to improve their eyesight. Or when you buy some shoes, then you give one shoe. That's the one-for-one -one program, like they call it. Uh, there is also a lot of events that are uh, that take place in Tom's store two to three times uh, every month, and like uh, they give some free samples of coffee uh, some days, and that's an application of uh, reciprocity that uh, all retail stores do. And what's more, they now opened a new floor on their store that they provide food to their customers. They have a larger uh, desks, desks and, and a lot of uh, room for more uh, customers to visit their store and they succeed in an economic uh, crisis when inventing and creating a new store, especially a retail store, is not the, the best invest for someone to, to begin with. So it is a clever way. I'm sure they've hired psychologists to actually help design their stores possibly not maybe it's just happens to be within the natural and organic growth of this particular company but it seems to have all the hallmarks of psychological behavior and influences to kit out and fit a shop that is very very appealing and to hit the emotional points of their customers by you mentioning they provide the pet food bowls for their dogs so that they could come along and not exclude that particular customer. Yeah, that, that that's that's something that we in my own college is somewhat introducing at around exam time to trying to ease the pressures of students. They have a petting facility whereby they bring puppies along and the students can come along in a quiet time and bond with these puppies and it kind of t seems to relax that particular student. So this is something that could help with changing people's behavior for the better. And there could be other situations whereby companies could manipulate a person's behavior by influencing them unethically to purchase or behave in certain ways too. Uh, well, that uh, question you ask is something uh, very controversial in the world of behavioral economics. 
if it's ethically right to nudge people or to change subconsciously their behavior uh, so as to make make them their, uh, your clients. But from the nudge definition from the book of uh, Richard Thaler's and Cass Sunstein, uh, nudge is something that is is created uh, so as to provide a win-win situation for both the buyer and the seller. It's something that uh, wants people to nudge for their own good. So as they eat healthier, they buy something even cheaper for them uh, and do not spend a lot of money for poorer people. So I think that's a nice uh, opportunity with pets and the puppies you talked me about with companies because there are not a lot of companies that accept to take your your pet with you. And I think it's, it's something like a nudge, something that needs to be done so that these people can uh, find more opportunities when they have to pick a, a store to visit or a company. Let's go back to prospect theory for a moment, Cronus, okay. if you don't mind. I visualized that famous graph that seems to explain what prospect theory is. And if people are listening in and, and, and aren't aware of that particular graph, I'll put it on my website on economicrockstar.com forward slash Cronus, C-H-R-O-N-I-S. Okay. But we have value. People put value on things and there's also losses and gains and the losses and gains are on the horizontal axis Okay. and the value on the vertical axis. Yeah. But typically, if someone was to be somewhat rational, would gains of $100 be equal to the, a loss of $100? But prospect theory suggests otherwise, that the gain of $100 is, if you gained $100, say, in a lottery win, the pain of losing $100 is a lot more in terms of the value. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what prospect theory explains, and that's that loss aversion heuristic talks us about that where the gambles that people have to make are mixed, where there are both gains and loses are possible for them, then loss aversion causes people to be extremely risk averse. And they tend to keep a, a safe choice to not to lose money because an equivalent gain or loss, people have a lot of pain when they lose something, when they not have the same, uh, they're not so glad, they're not so happy when they earn the same price and uh, that has to do as well with the reference point like prospect theory mentions is the in which state they are currently financial status it's something that prospect theory comes versus Bernoulli's utility theory that uh, Bernoulli with his theory talks about uh, utility and how much an amount of utility changes people's behavior but that in reality is not applicable uh, because it depends on the uh, economic and financial status of uh, the people that time that he has to make the decision. If he have already faced a lot of loses, he must be more risk-seeking, as as Prospect Theory mentions, Uh, but if he has to gain some money, he will be risk averse to keep uh, the the maybe the smaller amount of money that he's going to earn, and he won't risk more to gain more because it's something that won't make him or her so happy uh, as if he faced the equivalent loss. 
Ireland, like Greece, we have similar circumstances in terms of the financial crisis that we faced and endured and the high levels of unemployment, even though Ireland's unemployment rate has fallen, but we had a lot of emigration too. But these people who have experienced losses, and I'm reflecting or relating this back to prospect theory, and something that you might have, you just mentioned there, that people are willing to take on more risk as they continue continuously make losses, that those people who have become unemployed and maybe have lost money in a stock market or, you know, it gets to the point where they must do something because they have, as the saying goes, nothing to lose. And I'm wondering, is that why you said that Greece is experiencing a lot of startups? Because Ireland has experienced a lot of indigenous startups. A lot of these people have seen opportunities in the crisis that has unfolded by setting up industries, indigenous industries like baking and cooking and food, something that Ireland is traditionally really good at. And we're seeing a lot of successes. So possibly the whole idea of prospect theory, whereby people have experienced those huge and immense losses, both financially and emotionally, that it's a driver and a catalyst to try and make gains. Because the pain of those losses, even though people want to avoid them, if you if those people continuously stick at it, and this is where we have entrepreneurs that keep on failing, but they push and they seek for the opportunity that may arise sometime soon. It may never happen, but is that something, as you mentioned, you're observing? And is that reason why you relate a prospect theory to the situation that you're currently observing in Greece with startups? Uh, well, Frank, of, of course, if you have nothing less, uh, nothing, nothing more to lose, then of course you will be risk-seeking. That won't be rational at all, because if you have nothing left to lose, then every choice is only a gain and not a loss, unless you have to invest with money, with a lot of money in something, then it's, or it might be risk-seeking. There are a lot of, uh, the increase of immigrants, of course, are... Are high, the high percentage of immigrants that increases all, all the time uh, here in Greece as well. Uh, many young people tend to to leave their country as, as soon as possible, as soon as they finish their uh, bachelor's degree. And that's something that uh, maybe I would do in the future. But what I'm trying to do here now is a new project that uh, I'm, I'm going to do with my cousin, who's a programmer. We're gonna make an online comics to introduce behavioral economics uh, here in Greece in, in Greek language. We want to make people learn more about behavioral economics and not only people who study psychology or economics, but all people, all young people that uh, want to make better decisions. They want to, to be more rational in their way of thinking and uh, do not affected so much by the emotions that are in their heads or the, the emotions that their parents might influence them because there are uh, the times in Greece are harder than before. Uh, many young people tend to enroll in the army of Greece so that they are financial secured. I don't know what more do you want to learn about prospect theory in Greece? You mentioned there that you're working on a project, a comic, you say, was it? Yeah, the, that's uh, an idea that uh, 
came to me in the Christmas holidays with my cat. Yeah, I, again, I spoke to a number of guests on the show. I'm not sure if you're aware of Joran Bauman. Um, he's a comedian, but he used to be a professor of economics at a university in the United States. And he decided to go ahead and make a career in comedy as a stand-up. But he's also done a number of economics books that are comics to explain economic principles and theories. And also I have Professor Steve Keane, who is the head of school at Kingston University in the United Kingdom. And again, he's backed comics whereby these comics, I think they're coming from the website Idea Economics, whereby they're again trying to teach the whole idea of economics to everybody, the mainstream and students of economics. But I haven't heard of anyone doing anything with behavioral economics. And it sounds a very, very interesting project. Uh, have you any ideas if there's going to be based on a character or is it just going to be explaining uh, the, some of the heuristics? Is it going to be comedy? Uh, it's going to include two characters, two bo boys, two male characters, which will be me and my cousin, the one we have sort of the, the yellow glasses and the beard and the one who will have uh, short hair and some uh, big bird like my cousin and we gonna explain behavioral economics with uh, a funny way when the one character might have a problem might face a situation where he acts irrationally and the other character will might suggest him uh, well that's irrational of you uh, because of uh, that specific heuristic that behavioral economics uh, and psychology including the theory or something like that and when I told some uh, of my friends about that idea, they actually told me about that book, Economics. That's a cartoon, which, uh, that's a comics which have a lot of uh, all the economic history. It contains a lot of the economic history. I've, uh, I've seen it after learning more about it. And I really found some ideas of it uh, really interesting. And I'm a bit inspired of it. So I have it into I have it in my account. Cronus, what economist, past or present, would you love to collaborate with and perhaps have on this project, or just to do some research? Well, inevitably, the one that comes in my mind is Dan Ariely. He's the the rock star of behavioral economics. Everyone knows about him. He has a lot of bibliography on behavioral economics. He makes uh, researches, experiments, a lot of articles, and he has a lot of uh, brilliant and game-changing ideas, like his irrational game with uh, the cards that combines psychology, behavioral economics with a game so that people can play, have fun, and they also, while they learn about some heuristics, about some percentages of people that act irrationally in many situations, and uh, that would be totally the top uh, mentor for me and for many others as well, because Dan Ariely is uh, quite uh, known, uh, is very well known about behavioral economics, uh, even in Greece. I, I know that many people uh, know him from his videos that he explains in uh, simple words and by an example, so what behavioral economics is and some heuristics, another marketer and advertiser that I would uh, love to collaborate with, it would be my honor, is uh, Rory Sutherland from Ogilvy. As far as I know from uh, 
his TEDx talks from other articles that he's a big fan of behavioral economics and he applies many behavioral economics principles in his company. Um, and I think that I would have to provide some uh, fresh uh, new ideas. Uh, they could have some fresh new ideas from a young behavioral, aspiring behavioral economist like me, but they could also have a huge impact on me as mentors with their experience, uh, with their experience so many years on the field. And another one that I am a big fan of is uh, Nir Eyal, if you know him, that he has a bestseller. Uh, I've already written it. It's Hooked, who has a very nice uh, blog, uh, nearandfar.com, and he applies many behavioral economic principles in his writing, in uh, his book. And uh, as far as I know, he has already invented two companies uh, that he sold them after some years, and now he he's a consultant to other companies to make their product sell to more people, people to become, uh, to make a habit from that product so that they will earn their loyalty and they will continuously use that product and make it a circle of actions. If a company came to you with a problem, I, I'm not sure what the problem might be. Say perhaps we'll, we'll stick with customer experience or user experience. And they wanted to sell more of a product. We we'll just say it's bread, fresh bread. What would you do initially in order to help this company in terms of observing work practices or uh, customer experience? And I know, I know this is a curveball in terms of we don't even have an actual company. It's more fictitious, but as a behavioral economist, what would the, one of the first few things you should do? Or could do. Okay. First of all, thank you for calling me a behavioral economist. <laughs> I aspire to be one. I don't have a master's yet or so much experience, but that's my honor. Thank you. Well, some things that I think I would do in that situations. First of all, I would see how about the retail stores that these uh, bread will be will be provided in customers and try to check the incentives and what motivates people to, to buy that bread instead of all the others. Because branding is very important. And nowadays, there is a wide variety of choices, like the choice of paradox I told you before. So you've got to grab your customer's attention. You've got to make them see your product with maybe with a different uh, shape, a uh, different uh, price. I listened to your latest podcast with Lee about uh, pricing in uh, stores and I find it really interesting. And I have also read uh, some books on uh, uh, retails and how behavioral economics uh, take place and how they, they have an impact on consumers. And the most important book that I read and changed the way of thinking when I visit a retail store is the one uh, of uh, Paco Ande Hill, the anthropologist who wrote a book, Why We Buy, The Science of Shopping. And with that book, uh, uh, my perception about what I observe in a retail store changed immediately. Uh, now uh, I can see why some uh, stuff are placed that way, uh, why something might be exactly where your eye position is, or why might something have a different color or a different uh, shape. So the first thing that I would do in that case, you told me about, 
it would be how it, the product is placed in the retail store and how the, the branding is made. But there are also a lot of things to take uh, in mind about a new product like that. Would you think smells would be important in terms of influencing the subconscious behavior of your customer? Like, for example, a coffee smells or the smell of fresh baked bread. I'm, I'm sure that plays a role too. Well, of course, that influences people. I have also heard about an experiment when there was uh, some wine, some French wine and uh, another wine, uh, not from France, uh, from Germany, I think. And then when uh, there was uh, the retail store played uh, French music, people tend to buy more French wines than Germany. And the opposite thing happened when uh, there was uh, Germany music played. And that's really interesting. I think that every single thing in our environment, when we have to make a purchase decision, uh, affects our final behavior. So, of course, if there was a fresh bread and it uh, smelled good enough to attract people's attention, of course, it will have the wanted effect and outcome that uh, the producers want. Do you have any other behavioral economic experiments that you'd like to share with us? Because that one with the wine is quite interesting. and I haven't heard of that before. Uh, I, I honestly don't know what German music would look, uh, sound like either, unless it's Mozart or... <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I, I personally love experiments that have to do with uh, branding, like uh, I said to you before. So there is another experiment of uh, Sam Maglio and his team. He's, Sam is an assistant professor of marketing in the University of Toronto. And they wanted to see uh, how the names of products, and especially the sounds which are contained in the names of products, change the way that consumers think about the product that these name is referred to. So they ran some uh, experiments and they provided it in a specific experiment participants with a description of a massage designed to cure the back pain. And they, they had two different uh, brands. The one was named Daru, where that ooh sound uh, at the end is a vowel sound that's produced from the back of your mouth while the, uh, the name of the other product was Dari. Well, that E is produced from the front of your mouth. And they, they created an evaluation measure uh, to find out which product is most suitable for the participants in uh, functions of long-term or for a short-term application of the Meshaz. And they found that you can manipulate uh, people's priorities only by changing the name of the product. And I found it really interesting. That's why I tell you about this experiment. And they found out that the name of the brand who was Daru with uh, that ooh vowel sound from the back of your mouth, uh, people cared more about the long-term outcomes of the product. While when the massage was named Dari, uh, they cared more about the short-term outcomes of the product. They just wanted a relaxed massage session and with this experiment and some more, they found uh, how powerful too is language and language of every different country could affect differently the product, the consumers or consumers of the product. And they generalized the outcomes of the, this experiment with, from some more. And they recommend that if someone uh, provides a product that's about an investment, about uh, a long-term application, then 
They could name it with a back vowel sound uh, in the name of the product while they want to have uh, another product that it's about enjoyment in the moment, like uh, chocolates or something. They could uh, contain a vowel sound that, uh, that is produced from the front of your mouth. That sounds amazing. You mentioned a number of books there already, but do you have any other recommended books that you'd like to share with us? Especially maybe behavioral economics ones for anyone who is interested in getting started on this or even studying it a lot more. Uh, okay. Of course, everyone who wants to learn more about uh, behavioral economics, they could uh, read uh, Thinking Fast and Slow, Dan Kahneman's, like already mentioned, and Predictably Rational from Dan Ariely and Nods from Richard Thaler and I think that's the trilogy that everyone has to read if he wants to learn more about behavioral economics. But there are more books that I would uh, recommend uh, than that. Like I mentioned, Hook, How to Build Habit-Forming Products by Near Real, or about branding, uh, like uh, How We Buy, I told you about, is uh, the book titled Decoded by Phil Barden, which I'm currently reading and I find it really intriguing and, and amazing. Uh, it contains also uh, behavioral economics and uh, neuroscience uh, findings. What's more, I know that there's a new book of Richard Thaler's Misbehaving, the, the Making of Behavioral Economics, that it's really interesting, and I think it contains some more notes about prospect theory that we mentioned, so I got to devour it as well. I know how much you love audio, so why not get a free audiobook with Economic Rockstar today? I've teamed up with audiobooks.com to bring you this amazing offer. Visit audiobooks.com forward slash rockstar to download your free audiobook now. And another interesting book that I want to read, uh, it's the one of uh, Dilip Soman, a professor of University of Toronto, The Last Mile, which uh, Dilip Soman is, was the instructor in an online course, Behavioral Economics in Action, in, in the site edX.org which I, I attended, and this man has a lot of knowledge on the field. He knows how Nazis can apply, can be applied. So I think his book is uh, strongly recommended by me. And how did you find doing that course on edX? Well, uh, there are a lot of sites that provides uh, online courses, free of charge, of course, if you don't want a verification. And I searched a lot of these sites for some behavioral economics uh, uh, courses. And that's how I, I found that uh, particular course. But when I say, how, how did you find it? Sorry, I meant to say. Oh, if I liked it. Okay. Yes, yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I found it really interesting. He gives a lot of incentives on how to run some experiments, some nudges. The, this course, I'm going to, I find it really interesting so as to apply my own experiment, like I told you uh, in the beginning. It was be my first experiment. And it also contains a lot of uh, behavioral economics principles and it explains it with some anecdotes and some narratives like uh, things like mental accounting, uh, confirmation bias. And there are a lot of uh, professional guests in uh, this uh, online course that uh, talk about their own experience, like the one I shared with you before. Uh, with the Mashas, I found out more about it uh, from uh, this online course. Um, do you have any suggested resources that you'd like to share with us, such as um, data resources or um, resources on 
the areas that you've just discussed there on biases or heuristics or any other aspects of behavioral economics? Uh, a very uh, interesting site uh, on behavioral economics is behavioreconomics.com, where this site uh, is managed by Alain Samson, who owns a PhD in behavioral economics. He, he has made a lot of collaborations with uh, OGV and many other companies. He's a consultant, I think. This site contains a, a mini encyclopedia of behavioral economics, which have a lot of terms and principles if someone wants to read and learn more about them. It recommends uh, a lot of books and authors for behavioral economics. And of course, it has the Behavioral Economics Guide 2014 and 2015, which are edited by Alain Samson in collaboration with Dara Rieli, George Lowenstein and Rory Sutherland. So that's a, a site that I strongly recommend if someone wants to learn more about behavioral economics, if they want to be introduced or in the field, or they want to learn more in addition of what they already know. Cronus, you mentioned earlier on about, not too long ago, about the situation in Greece. And I'd like to maybe come away from behavioral economics and just focus on what's happening, because you're the first Greek person I've spoken to. And all I'm seeing on the news is the migration crisis from Syria. And Greece and Turkey seem to be experiencing a huge influx of migrants heading into Europe. How is Greece coping with this? Are you seeing evidence of this where you're living or is this more in the coastal regions like Kos? Uh, it's, uh, yeah, this problem is, is uh, of course, in the islands of Greece. I'm in the northern part of Greece. I live in the northern part of Greece, so we don't have such a problem here. Problem, well, it's not a problem, it's a, a situation, I call it a situation. Yeah. Uh, yes. yes, things are difficult. We We also... Uh, watch a lot about it in the television or in the internet, but I don't have a personal experience with that because it's, uh, that happens on the islands of Greece and I don't know what uh, exactly they do to face uh, uh, that situation. Kronos, is there anything else that you're working on right now other than the comics? Is there any collaboration or any piece of research that you're undertaking? Well, uh, actually, yes. Uh, I'm also contributing with two behavioral economists from Canada, in the creation of a new site, which is going to be called the decisionlab.com. That site will have a context about neuroscience, cognitive psychology, behavioral economics, and all, uh, all of these in real world applications in business and everyday life. They're going to be the, uh, I'm going to write for that site, for that blog. It will also contain a lot of other articles besides mine. And I'm, also collaborating with the behavioral economist Boris Suriga, who was the one that suggested me some books from the ones that I recommended you to read. And we're going to collaborate for an upcoming ebook on behavioral retails, as we like to call them, which will contain a, a lot of insights from behavioral economics, uh, consumer behavior, branding, and, and in general, case studies in uh, retail stores to to include in a small ebook the most important factors that uh, affect consumers in uh, the retail stores area. Fantastic. What was the first site you mentioned with the collaboration in Canada? Decision Lab. Yeah, decisionlab.com. Yeah, yeah, this would be a blog. Well, I look forward to that, Cronus. Cronus, thank you so much for being so inspiring and for joining me in Economic Rockstar. I had a blast and I personally learned a lot from you. Share it again with our listeners where they could find you. 
Well, if uh, someone wants to to read my work on behavioral economics, it's my site, uh, newbeeconomist.com. And I also have a Facebook page, Newbie Economist, where I post a lot of interesting uh, articles, pictures and uh, videos on behavioral economics from different uh, blogs and sites. So especially so as to inspire young people to learn more about behavioral economics and associate with that field. You can find all the links to Cronus on economicrockstar.com forward slash Cronus, C-H-R-O-N-I-S. Cronus, you are an economic rock star. Thank you for being so generous with your time. I want to thank you, Frank, for giving me that opportunity. I wish the best for you, your soul and your whole family. <laughs> thank you very much, Cronus. And I really hope that you're a huge success. And I know you talked about possibly emigrating from Greece, but Greece are going to miss out big time. But sure, look at Greece's loss. Could be someone else's gain, I'm sure. <laughs> thank you very much for your kind words, Frank. Thank you very much, Cronus. Cronus.